Welcome to This is Lassonde, a podcast brought to you by the Lassonde School of Engineering. Each episode, we bring you a fresh conversation from the Lassonde community. Each episode, you'll hear stories from engineers and scientists, aka our students, profs, alumni, and industry partners, stories about designing solutions to complex problems to push our world forward. Tune in as these stories will engage, inspire, and delight you to create human impact through science and engineering. I'm Tiffany Alviar, a computer engineering student at Lassonde. Today, we have the pleasure of welcoming Professor Neil Tandon to our podcast. Professor Tandon teaches courses in atmospheric science at Lassonde and does research in the area of climate dynamics and climate extremes, a very relevant topic for all of us. Let's talk to Professor Tandon to learn about how his devotion to and for science evolved not only into a passion for tackling big questions about the climate, but also into a passion for teaching. And yeah, we welcome you to the podcast, Neil. How are you today? Fine, thanks. Thanks for having me, Tiffany. Awesome. So tell us, how did you get your start in atmospheric science? Like, how'd you come across the field? So it was a very zigzagged path. uh, And perhaps this is something that'll resonate with engineering students. I started out as an electrical engineer and undergraduate. Um, It was kind of natural for me to fall into engineering. I came from a family of engineers. Uh, We all tended to tinker with things. I tended to take apart computers and put them back together and break things. And so I just kind of fell into engineering. And then uh, I got a job in engineering and that's when I started to realize, hey, maybe this isn't really the right fit for me. Um, And I just found myself reading math textbooks and really digging into science and thinking I was gravitating more towards the pure science side. And so I started graduate school and uh, just started taking a bunch of math courses. And I ended up taking a course with someone who happened to do a lot of atmospheric modeling, a lot of climate modeling. And I just got to talking to him and it seemed to really click. I really liked him as a, as a, as a person, as a professor. I really liked his teaching style and just said, hey, if you have a project that maybe I could work on over the summer and um, and he had one and it all, it all went from there. He ended up taking me on as a, as a student and he really kind of triggered that interest for me. I mean, I think leading up to that point, I, was, I had pretty wide interests as far as the science side. Um, I was into, into all sorts of things, but then he kind of, because I had that, I think kind of clicked with him, uh, he ended up uh, kind of steering me in that direction. And I ended up really devoting myself to, to atmospheric science and specifically climate science, climate modeling, uh, and, and a specific area of that called, called climate dynamics. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Um, and what aspects or uh, what aspects of the field interest you the most? Or like what are you most passionate about in like climate science? Well, it uh, so climate dynamics, which I ended with on my last answer, is, is really where my passion is. And, and what I find interesting about it is the fact that you're, you're attempting to understand things that on their face are quite chaotic, right? You have these swirling motions in the atmosphere. You've got these jet streams meandering all over the place. And what you're attempting to do is understand how is that behaving on, on long time scales, which is a really challenging problem. And, uh, and yet, 
decade by decade, we've kind of chipped away at that and, and really started to understand some of some of the long-term behavior of, of, of those dynamical systems. And, um, and there are still a lot of remaining questions uh, to be answered in that field too. So that's always what a scientist should be passionate about too, is having tons of unanswered questions that they can sink their teeth into. So, um, so if, all the question, if all the big questions are really answered, there wouldn't really be much for me to do. But in this case, climate dynamics, lots of really interesting questions to tackle lots of pretty pictures to look at. I always like the pretty pictures, the pretty plots, um, lots of work with MATLAB. And, and so I, that's, that's really what keeps me going. Carlos, how, how did you become a professor? Like, was that something that you knew you wanted to do right after you completed your undergrad? What was your journey through like graduate studies like? Well, um, no, I didn't necessarily, I was open to, I, I, what I knew, is that I wanted to do science. I wanted to devote myself to science. Now, it's it's that's not a path for the faint of heart, right? It's there's uh, it's not necessarily easy to sustain yourself in a long term career in in science, and and very few positions open up for professors. Um, and so, yeah, you even if I had that dream of okay, I I, I want to be a professor it's at some point you need a reality check to realize that there are very few positions that open up where you you can really view such an opportunity as being like a super realistic thing right you all you inevitably have to be open to multiple opportunities or multiple paths and in my case i was open to multiple paths as long as at the end of the day i was i was doing science and and to some extent it was a roll of the dice Right, I, I ended up having to do two postdocs. Um, after the first postdoc, I applied to a bunch of things and uh, nothing permanent came through. So I did a second postdoc. And then as it was getting to the end of that second postdoc, I was applying to a bunch of things and starting to get nervous about whether I'd be able to stay in science or not. Um, and luckily the, the position opened up at York and uh, things worked out at the interview and, and everything happened from there. And once I got here, you know, I really rose to that uh, that challenge and rose to the occasion to to really start to enjoy the the teaching process. I think looking back to my um, past activities, I really found that I had a knack and a and an interest in breaking down complicated subjects and into manageable pieces and 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 explaining it to people in a way that they could really digest and. Uh, and I find myself really putting in that extra time to, to come up with those better explanations, spending, you know, at 11 p.m. the night before a lecture, really mulling over a particular slide to think, okay, can I make this explanation of Archimedes' principle a little easier to, to follow and, and those sorts of things. So I, I, it's, it's really brought back that, that passion for me to teach, to teach as well. I guess it's not just students who uh, stay up late at night, huh? No, you might think you have your heart, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I, someday you'll have a chance to see it from the other side. <laughs> what would you say is the hardest part of your job? Well, in general, uh, well, I could be specific about the current situation under the pandemic. It's it's especially difficult, uh, not just I mean for everybody, right? So for students, it's it's difficult, and for professors, and in, in much the same way, it's like we're used to 
perhaps having a little more control over our work environment, being able to, to work without distraction for extended periods of time. And uh, like you might hear in the background, <laughs> I have to I have to split time with with babysitting duties, and uh, you know I love my daughter, and and <laughs> so so it's it, it there's that it's not just that it's a distraction. I just love hanging out with her, and when when um, when I hear her in the background, I just kind of want to go and play with her rather than work. So uh, so there's definitely that challenge given all the time that. Um, that it takes to prepare lectures, especially when it's a new class. I, so I would say even aside from the current pandemic situation, um, probably the toughest situation or toughest aspect of being a professor is teaching a new class for the first time. Um, you know, we, we like to think that we're expert on the particular subject, but there's inevitably a, um, a much greater level of detail involved in teaching a course than you might have had to fully process in the course of your of your research because in your research you might just focus on a particular chunk of a subject you haven't really had to think about all aspects of the subject all the time so so that's probably the biggest challenge is teaching a course for the first time um, especially if you haven't had a ton ton of teaching experience before because then you're also having to negotiate the fact that right students are coming in from all different backgrounds um you don't necessarily have the full awareness of the full curriculum to understand what their level of preparation is for that course um and so this i this especially hit me like a ton of bricks when i was um with the first course that i taught my first year which was continuum mechanics so that course at a typical university would have been taught in third or fourth year um and expecting a level of mathematics like like a, a, like differential equations and, and vector calculus at a level that students um, typically don't get by their second year. So at York in, in the Department of Earth and Space Science and Engineering, continuing mechanics is taught in the second year. So basically, no textbooks that are available are geared towards a student taking continuing mechanics in their second year. And so that was a huge challenge because I had to basically rewrite a textbook <laughs> and basically come up with my own kind of hybrid of the available material and, and bridge it with what students would actually know coming to their secondary for. So that was a huge challenge. And I, and, and I, I think that speaks to uh, the bigger challenge that professors face when, um, when teaching a course for the first time, that inevitably there are details about that course in the particular curriculum that you will have to kind of um, figure out. And that's very tough the first time. Mm -hmm. um, wow, yeah, that that is tough. I can't imagine. Sorry, that was a big long-winded answer. I'm sorry, but. No, don't <laughs> but, worry about it. I can't imagine yeah. rewriting a whole textbook on its own. But um, I guess on the flip side, what would be like your favorite part of being a professor? Uh, so, the long-term aspect of it, right? Seeing students incrementally, their interest um, really, really starting to take fire in a particular subject. Uh, and that goes for not just undergraduate students, but also graduate students, where they come in really green, really struggling just to do basic MATLAB programming 
and then bit by bit it all builds up and then and then developing a level of independence where they can start to teach you a few things that you didn't know and uh and i've had a chance just um so my first two master's students uh successfully defended last december and just to see that trajectory of, of them starting uh, from such a basic level and then really building up a level of expertise is, is a really uh, beautiful thing to see that's wonderful um yeah, yeah, I can't imagine that you see so many faces um, over the course of like how long you've been teaching. So it's nice that, you know, you do get to see growth from like various students in that aspect, um, which is really yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, I guess going back to like the other side of what a professor does, um, do you want to tell the audience what your research is in? And I guess maybe like one of your favorite things that you've done during research I'm sorry, that's really vague, but um, <laughs> yeah, I guess like tell them like the, the other part of, you know, you're like not just a teacher, but. Yeah, so the research, uh, so generally, like I said, it's in the area of climate dynamics. So understanding how motions in the atmosphere, motions in the ocean um, affect climate. So what makes certain regions warmer? What makes certain regions colder? what gives, makes certain regions um, wetter, what makes other regions drier. A lot of that's dictated by how the air is moving, how the water's moving in the ocean. And there, like I said, a lot of uh, questions that remain to be answered about how those things are changing long-term, right? So the fact that uh, what, we what we commonly call, call the uh, overturning circulation or the conveyor circulation, yeah, so my daughter's especially excited about that. So the, how that is expected to change over the long term and perhaps uh, become weaker, and that would affect temperature in, in Europe and North America. Um, there's also the expectation that the jet streams are going to shift in their position, and that will affect patterns of precipitation. Uh, but yet, that has remained to be fully understood as well. And along with that are changes of extreme precipitation. So that is actually one of the key areas of, of research in my group right now is understanding long-term changes in extreme precipitation. And just the fact that that statement on its own might, might be a little, it, sound, it sounds almost oxymoronic to say something like that, right? Because extreme precipitation is like this blip of precipitation that happens in one day. And yet you're trying to understand long-term how that thing is changing, right? So the long-term statistics of how the frequency of such storms change, um, the intensity of such storms change, the duration of such storms change. So that is something where it's a really challenging problem because you need a lot of model experiments to gather a ton of statistics to understand how those things are, are changing. And then once you, once you have those statistics, once you have all that data, it's a challenge just to understand it and break down the mechanisms. So we're chipping away at that, um, and and, uh, and my one of my master's students has, has just submitted a, a nice paper on that, and, uh, and it prompted a lot of questions, as research often does. Uh, you try to answer one question, and it opens up several other questions, and so we're just kind of following that and seeing where it leads. That's wonderful. Um, yeah, wow. Um, that must have been a lot of work. And, um, yes. <laughs> For students, 
considering the same path as you going into graduate studies and potentially becoming a professor. Um, what's something you wish you knew before going on this path that could also be an advice to students who are considering it? So I think it, in, to some extent, it has to really choose you. Because like I said, it's not for the faint of heart. For, in a sense, it's almost like being an artist. Because although the opportunities are greater, I would say, in science than there are perhaps being a pure artist, but, but it's not like they're handed to you on a silver platter. You really have to um, push for them. You really have to fight for them. You really have to be persistent. Um, and, and so if, if to some extent you don't have that passion already, if it hasn't already, if for whatever, for, if for whatever reason, the flame isn't already lit in you that I am a scientist, this is what I want to devote my life to, um, then you should probably be open to, to other paths. But if that flame is already lit and you know, that passion is there to some extent, that is the most important thing. And, and because that will create the persistence that you need uh, to succeed because you will be willing then when the first few job uh, opportunities don't pan out you you will then have the persistence to keep trying keep trying until it does work out awesome thank you for sharing that um yeah that is really good advice and um i think that it's important for students to really like what they're doing or be passionate Absolutely like in that subject before they really dive in headlong into um, going into that, like past undergrad, it's, it's not easy. So um, yeah. thank you for that wonderful conversation, Professor Tandon, and for turning this episode into a mini learning moment. It was really insightful to see how math and physics, subjects that might seem like one dimensional, apply to climate change a very complex and human topic. Whether it is about researching or teaching, academia or industry, uh, engineering or applied science. We hope our audience is doing some tinkering of your own to discover your passion and your way of making human impact through STEM. You can stay tuned into our podcast and all Lasan School of Engineering activities by following us on social media. We are at Lasan School on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Visit lasan.yorku.ca slash podcast for your episode guide to This is Lasan School. <laughs>